BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we're always talking about the way the world is changing. Of course it is. And we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And today, I want to talk about, well, like we talk about all the time, all three. We're talking about the convergence of those three things. And today, we want to talk about what the heck is going on with all the wars going on in the world, but more specifically, how the politics is using something like war and technology to push their own agenda on us, using war to get more power and censor us even more. War equals censorship. That's what we're going to talk about today. And I want to go through this historical lens to show you for the last hundred years, concrete and specific examples of exactly what's happening. We're going to look at exactly what's going on in the world today so you can understand what's going on. You can understand the seriousness of what's going on. You can understand what you need to do to protect yourself as all this unravels. All right, so we got a lot to cover in this show. Uh, You're not going to want to miss this. We're going to go through it pretty quickly. I'm going to talk about it fast, uh, but this is a big topic. As a matter of fact, it's not just a big topic. It is the most important topic. I can't think of a more important topic, a more important issue that we should be focusing on right now. This is a big, big deal because this changes the entire direction and the course of the world, not just for us, but for our future generations. I'm constantly reminded of the quote by Ronald Reagan that says that freedom is never more than one generation away from being lost. It wasn't passed to us in the bloodline. Instead, it was passed. It it must be fought for and defended by every single generation. And so every single generation is trying to take it away. And every single generation has to stand up and fight for it. And the only way that you'll be able to do that is by having the the context of what's going on. More importantly, the history, right? Those who don't understand history are bound to repeat it. The history of what's going on and the specific examples of what they're doing today so we understand the attack vectors and we understand what we need to do about it. So we're going to cover this. It's a very important topic. Hopefully you tune in for the whole thing. If you don't have time to listen to this whole thing, check it out on the podcast. Just search The Mark Moss Show on your favorite podcast player or go to YouTube and search Market Disruptors and you can watch the whole thing there. All right, so we're going to talk about, like I said, wars, conflicts, how they've been used to do these things, uh, and we'll look through history. So First, let's go back into history. You know, if you listen to me, if you've been listening for any period of time, you know that I love history um, because it really gives us, in my opinion, sort of the best look into where we're going. What do I mean by that? Well, 
We all have heard the proverbial, you know, if you put your hand on a hot stove and you burn yourself, you don't do that again. Why? Because history tells me that if I put my hand on a hot stove, I'll burn myself, right? So that's what history tells us. So history shows when these things happened, this was the result. So now we can look at this with context of today going, well, if these things happen, then the result will probably be the same. <laughs> if I put my hand back on the hot stove, I'll probably burn my hand again. Now, the temperature could be a little bit different. I could have put my hand on it at different times, maybe a little bit of a different location in my hand. So maybe the outcome is a little bit different, but more or less, it's about the same thing. So let's go back into history all the way back to about a hundred, a little over a hundred years ago, we're going back to World War One. Now, I want to go back to World War One. I, I want to start here because what I'm going to tell you a little bit later, you're going to be thinking, oh, but this could never happen in America. This could never happen in the land of the free. This could never happen in a country that has a constitution. But it has. And it will. And it is. So let's take a look. Off we go back to World War One. In 1918, there was an act put forth in the United States called the Sedition Act. Now, uh, this was, uh, like I said, during World War I, so you have to sort of understand the context of what this was. But in 1918, the Sedition Act basically gave um, Congress and the government the power to make it a crime to utter, print, write, or publish anything that was against the government. Anything. And when I say anything, it was very, very vague. So anything that was uh, disloyal, profane, scurrilous, abusive, anything about that that was written in regards to the U.S. government, the military, or the war effort. So today, you hear me <laughs> talking about uh, the war. You know, obviously, you got the Joe Rogans and Jordan Petersons. And all of that talk, or a lot of that talk, would be a crime under this Sedition Act. It's abusive language. It's undermining the military, the war effort, right? Um, it, it, it could be arbitrarily applied that way. Now, it says that fearing, you know, at the time, the government was fearing anti-war speeches. Why were they fearing anti-war speeches? Why did they want to go to war so bad? Now, these are separate questions for a separate time. I did a show on my main YouTube channel, Mark Moss, um, talking about, how J.P. Morgan has been behind these wars since World War I, and how, because J.P. Morgan had loaned so much money to England and France to fight Germany in World War I, and not just loaned them money, but then got the money back to supply them with goods and services, J.P. Morgan was profiting so much and had extended so many loans that if, if England and France lost the war, how would J.P. Morgan get paid back? And they were losing the war. The only way that they could win the war if the United States got involved. But nobody in the United States wanted to get involved. Why would they? It's a war over the whole ocean away. What do we care about that? It's a border dispute. Let them do their thing, right? Well, uh, that doesn't work good for J.P. Morgan, who would lose all that money. So he had to figure out a way to get the United States into the war. But the U.S. didn't want to get into war. So he did a couple things. One, he bought most of the media in the United States to control the narrative. Then uh, they did things with the merchant ships. I'm not going to go through the whole history of this. Um, but they started to use the media to get people ramped up into the war. The merchant ships that were going across the seas delivering the goods that J.P. Morgan was sending back over there um, got attacked. There's a lot of details around that. And Americans died. 
And that was enough to then get the U.S. to jump into the war. At least President Woodrow Wilson threw his hat in the ring, said, yes, we'll go. But a lot of people in America still didn't want the war. Why would we want the war? Why would we want people to die? Why would we want Americans to die? Why should Americans be involved in that war? And so J.P. Morgan, owning the media, who was pushing that narrative, and the government wanted to block any dissenting voices to that. So fearing this anti-war speeches, fearing anti-war pamphlets, fearing that they would undermine the war effort. They passed two laws, the Espionage Act of 1917 and the Sedition Act of 1918 that both criminalized any disloyal, profane, scurrilous, or abusive language about the U.S. government. The Espionage Act of 1917 was passed just two months after America entered the First World War. And it was primarily intended for Congress to combat actual espionage, but federal prosecutors and judges used it for a whole lot of other things like targeting individuals who, quote, willfully cause or attempt to cause insubordination or disloyalty. So if you said anything that was like, hey, should we really be in this war? Uh, looks like the U.S. is just trying to protect their own interests of these oligarchs like J.P. Morgan. Why should we be there? Well, that could be you could be accused of causing insubordination or disloyalty. Now, as the war rolled on and more American soldiers died, Congress had to double down on disloyal speech, of course, because as Americans are dying, more people are speaking out against it. Like, why are we over there? Why does this make sense? And so Congress had to double down because they have to control the narrative. And so they passed the, the Sedition Act of 1918, which amended and expanded on the Espionage Act to target any speech that could be interpreted as criticizing the war effort. Now, the Supreme Court accepted this broad interpretation of both the Espionage Act and the Sedition Act in a series of cases, and one of those is this uh, main instance that we use today. You've probably heard of it before, which is, um, does free speech count if it causes a clear and present danger? All right, you've heard about this. And that is when they use this illustration is, what kind of speech met this clear and present danger test? Well, Judge Holmes, Justice Holmes, gave this now famous hypothetical example saying, quote, the most stringent protection of free speech would not protect a man in falsely shouting fire in a theater and causing a panic, he wrote. So if you say that, if you say there's a fire in a crowded theater, which then causes people to panic, run out for the exits, people get trampled, things like that, then that doesn't cover free speech because you caused someone to get hurt. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about war and censorship. I'll be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. 
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about war being used to create censorship. War taking away freedoms, but specifically uh, censoring us. Now, censoring our speech, yes, and censoring even more. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I was kind of laying the ground how over 100 years ago in the United States, they use this to basically stop any type of talk, any type of speech, any type of uh, communication that would undermine uh, the war. All right. Now, this is in America. But we've seen it many times other places. Uh, 1911, the Official Secrets Act of, of the United Kingdom uh, was also uh, basically for the same thing. In 1957, there was the Anti-Subversion Act in the Philippines, uh, prohibits the advocacy, incitement, or support of rebellion or insurrection against the government. Um, so basically, again, if you criticize the government during a time of war. Um, 1960, we saw the in Internal Security Act in Singapore, um, which would allow the government to detain people for up to two years if they're suspected of being a threat to national security, if they potentially said something wrong. Um, we saw 2017 in China, the state security law prohibits the incitement of subversion of state power. So if you say anything wrong about the government, that could cause someone to doubt it. That's wrong. Uh, we saw in Russia, the Espionage Act uh, prohibits the collection, transmission, or storage of state secrets. Uh, but it's also been used to prosecute journalists, activists, scientists, anyone who's trying to get information out the government doesn't want. That's basically what we've seen. Now, let's bring this back to more current times because we have something very pressing right now. Um, when all else fails, take it a war. That's what my friend Gerald Salente says. And that's sort of where we're at right now. Of course, we have multiple wars breaking out in the world. Um, and if we just stop and look at what's going on in the Russia-Ukraine war, for example, why the heck are 
one, what the heck is going on over there? Two, why do people all around the world care? Three, why do we as Americans care? Um, and you might care about the Russia-Ukraine war. You might care that we should do more or you, should care, you might care that we get out of it. But either way, that decision, whether you think we should do more to support Ukraine or we should get out, whether, regardless of what your position is, you're forming that based off of information you've been provided information you've received, information you've watched or read, right? But are you getting the right information? See, that's what the government wants to make sure. You're only getting one side of the information. And that's the problem. It goes back to sort of this whole pandemic and the vaccine and all this and like informed consent. How can you have informed consent when you don't know the whole picture, when you don't know both sides? And so me being a freedom maximalist, being a free speech maximalist, I'm going to pound the table on that. We need to know both sides. It's the only way we can make informed decisions. Now, back to the Ukraine situation we saw in September of 2020 and December of 2020 in Ukraine. Supposedly, we're fighting for democracy. It's not true. Uh, Ukraine is the farthest from a democracy. As a matter of fact, they're pretty much a dictator. And even before the war, they were ranked as one of the most corrupt nations in the world. But in 2020, we saw Parliament passed the law on intelligence and the law on electronic communication, which allow the government, under certain conditions like war, <laughs> to restrict access to the internet in specific areas. It gives the state increased access to telecommunications, telecommunications data and facilitates surveillance and arbitrary interception of communications. So under certain times, like war, they can basically just say you can't get the data. So you can only get info from us Whatever we tell you the truth is, we're the arbiter of truth, sort of like when Hacinda Hardin from New Zealand said that don't do your own research. Don't do your research. The government will be your source of truth. This is what they're sort of saying. We've seen Ukrainian officials who tightly control press access to the front lines responded by revoking the journalist's press credentials. So we don't, let's just not let the press go get the story because we don't want them to tell the world what's going on. Ukrainian government intensified its efforts to control the narrative of the war by tightening journalists' access to the conflict. Um, things started getting worse from there. Um, they tried to place more control on the journalists. Katerina Sergastova, editor-in-chief of uh, Zaborona Media, which is a you know, Ukrainian publication, told The Intercept, quote, it's really hard to make reports um, from Kyrgyzstan, for example. Ukrainian authorities have threatened, revoked, or denied press credentials of journalists working for half a dozen uh, Ukrainian and foreign news outlets because of their coverage, because they have to control the narrative. Luke Mogelson, a contributing writer for The New Yorker, told The Intercept, quote, I've covered four wars. I've never seen such a chasm between the drama and intensity and historic import of the reality of the conflict on the one hand and the superficiality and the meagerness of its documentation by the press on the other. So what he's saying, he's never, after four wars, he's never seen the difference between how important it is and how meager the documentation of it is at the same time. And that's, he's done four wars. He said, quote, it's wild how little of what's happening is being chronicled. And the main reason, though, not the only one, is that the Ukrainian government has made it virtually impossible for journalists to do real frontline reportage. Now, that's in Ukraine. We can go on and on and on and on. I can keep digging through the facts. I don't want to bore you. Zelensky signed legislation giving the government vast powers over the media. The European Federation of Journalists has called an early draft of the bill, quote, worthy of the worst authoritarian regimes.
Now, again, that's, that's in Ukraine. I'm sure Russia's doing the same thing. Russia's also trying to control their narrative. Of course they are. Every nation's gonna do the same thing. Now we have this situation going on in, in Israel and Palestine, and we're seeing sort of the same thing happening over there. Lukid minister formulates emergency regulations to imprison citizens who harm national morale. It's a new bill. So now the communications minister, Carl, is promoting regulations that would allow him to direct police to arrest civilians, remove them from their homes, seize their property if he believes, if they believe, they've spread information that could harm national morale or served as the basis for enemy propaganda. So again, if you're like, hey, uh, I don't know if we should be going over there and killing babies, that might not be the best thing. Well, they could say that harms national morale when they're trying to get everyone ramped up to go to war. And they could take you from your home. They could take your property. Um, and so these laws are very broad. They're very, um, they're very broad intentionally so they can be spread and used any way they want. Um, in this, they're saying that if you undermine morale by saying, like, I don't know if we should go, for example. Now, when we think about this, again, uh, you've probably heard that there's three sides to truth. There's my side, your side, and then there's something in the middle. You have to think about this. Uh, they say history is written by the victors. And so, like, the side that wins the war sort of tells you the story about how that war worked out from their lens. But, of course, the other side probably has a completely different story. And what we see is over and over and over is the government needs to, and I don't want to say the word need to, they need to control the narrative if they want to hold on to their grip of power, which of course they do. Of course they want to hold on to their grip of power. So they have to control the narrative. Now, I might ask, or you might ask, well, why do they have to control the narrative? Why couldn't they just allow the truth to prevail? Well, if we live in a, if, if we live in a free world, a free market world, a choice, a, a world of free choice where you and I have informed consent and can make our own decisions, then of course that's what we'd want. But that wouldn't work for the leaders who are trying to hang on to their power. Of course, it's not going to work for them. Now, if you just tune in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about how war is being used to actually take away freedom, not give it to us, and how the tool for that is censorship. And we're talking about specific examples of how this is happening right now. We went through the historical lens, what's happening right now. And I'm going to take a very quick break. But when I come back, I'm going to talk about where this is going, what we're already seeing happening. We're going to talk about specific examples of the government spreading the misinformation and what we can do about it. Don't go away. I'll be right back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. 
And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about how war equals censorship, how war is being used by the government to take away freedoms and input, uh, enact new policies to give themselves more power, limit our freedoms, and ultimately censorship so they can control the narrative. Now, a couple examples of this um, in, in, in real time is uh, what's going on right now with, uh, again, we're talking about the, well, we talked about the Russia-Ukraine thing, now we're talking about more what's happening in the Middle East. And uh, a perfect example of this is um, about a week ago, uh, everybody heard uh, that Israel had bombed a hospital. Israel bombed the hospital in uh, Gaza or in Palestine and killed a bunch of people. And uh, the media was in a roar over this, right? And mainstream media was, was spreading this everywhere. And it turned out to be false information. Mainstream media reported that uh, Israel bombed this hospital, killed 500 civilians. And based, and, and based on that information, they received from the, the, the Hamas-led Gazan Health Ministry. Now, the BBC produced a lot of this. Uh, hundreds feared dead and injured in Israel, airstrike in, in Gaza. Uh, the Israel military have said that they are investigating this. Um, you know, so the BBC was one of the was one of the instigators of this. Now, it came out that that actually wasn't true. So mainstream media led this misinformation campaign. Later, it came out that that actually wasn't true, but none of them really retracted or apologized. Now, what we're seeing, though, is that they don't want to clamp down on mainstream media because mainstream media is their mouthpiece. What they want to do is they want to clamp down on alternative news sources and one being like X or Twitter, right? X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, and what we've seen on, on X is that the crowdsourced in information was able to get to the truth much faster. See, truth is always found through open, honest 
dialogue. So instead of looking at the BBC as the arbiter of truth or the New York Times, we had the power of the crowd. And ex-users were able to point out very quickly that the timestamp was inconsistent with the reported time of the bombing. And so all of a sudden, they started to bring up questions. And so we could see that while the mainstream media rushed to judgment on the story, many others did too, uh, we could see that the, uh, they were pushing this misinformation. What we could see is that the crowdsourced information was able to find the truth much faster, even while they're accusing Elon Musk, they're accusing um, Twitter and X as spreading or helping to spread misinformation, what we can see is that they're actually making it much better. Because again, the truth is found through open, honest dialogue. And that's what we're seeing happening with Twitter. But of course, they don't like that because that's where they can't control the narrative. We saw that um, they were arguing that, uh, that again, this was misinformation that was being spread. Um, but X actually has something on there called community notes. And we can see time and time again, where community notes fact checking is doing a much better job of safeguarding information than any human moderators have been able to do uh, much better than what we've seen mainstream media be able to do as well. And so this is a big shift. But we have to understand that this war is not about finding the truth. The war is about pushing a specific narrative, or actually, I shouldn't even say the war. I mean, just the government overall is not about finding the truth. It's not about supplying us with the truth. It's about pushing a narrative. It's about controlling a narrative. And that's why they need to continue to censor over and over and over. Again, I gave a bunch of examples of, of, of how this happened. We've seen it happen over and over again. Unfortunately, it's nothing new. They use the psychology of fear to get more power, right? Uh, was it? I don't know. The, the quote's been misattributed. We don't know. It's Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin, but saying that those who are willing to trade safety for freedom deserve neither, right? And so they always are using fear in order to get us to that point. Uh, but we have to understand what they're doing and what comes next. Now, another good example of this that uh, is coming to a head right now, as a matter of fact, is we saw through um, the Twitter files after Elon Musk took over Twitter, he released these Twitter files that showed all this government coercion that was being used to track and, and censor and push stories that they wanted to do. And he released that information. Of course, when that happened, we saw some states uh, file lawsuit um, and got an injunction against the Biden administration saying, hey, you can no longer do this. And the Biden administration has appealed that. What do you mean we can't, we can't coerce uh, privately owned social media platforms to do what we want? How, what do you mean we can't do that? So they're appealing that. And that's going to the Supreme Court. So we're going to see exactly what the Supreme Court has to say about that. And I'll definitely keep you up to date on that. It's going to be very, very interesting. But this is a big deal. It's a big deal for uh, the future because as these um, laws are put into place, as these freedoms are taken away, they're not given back. I see a lot of people, I was just in Europe uh, at speaking at the Bitcoin conference in Amsterdam, and I try to talk to as many people as I can while I'm there and, and get different viewpoints. My wife uh, thinks I'm crazy, but like every time we're in an Uber or a cab, I'm, I'm talking to the cab driver about uh, things that they think. So for example, uh, like, what do you, th I'm in, I'm in the Netherlands. So like, what do you think about the farmers in the Netherlands? What do you think about the situation where they're trying to take the farmer's land? And I ask them all this question, these things that I don't really know. I want to know more about what's happening in the Netherlands or what's happening in Europe. And I ask them these things. And what I saw and what I see overall, unfortunately, is this, this, this big divide and this chasm, if you will, of the older population that's sort of worried about these types of things and the younger generation just doesn't seem to care. 
The older generation sees how the world's changing and they're worried about losing their freedoms and the younger generation doesn't care. The older generation doesn't want the farmers to lose their land. The younger generation doesn't care. Why do, they, why do we even need farmers? They're so removed from that that they don't understand. It's one of those things like the fish doesn't know it's in water, so to speak, right? Uh, these generations are so far removed from reality that they don't understand why those things were there and how those things caused this world to be de developed that we have now today. And so um, it's sort of some of the topics that I was talking about while I was in, in Amsterdam. I did a couple panels talking about cycles. One, I did a panel with uh, Pete St. Ange and a couple, couple guys, and we were talking about uh, Europe's fourth turning. And so this is sort of based off this book. Uh, Neil Howe wrote The Fourth Turning, and it talks about an 80-year cycle. And now all the change happens in this fourth 20-year cycle in, in the greater 80-year cycle context. And one of the points that I bring up is that this is actually what's known as generational theory. And it's sort of off of the often used quote I've, I've said many times, which is the hard times create strong men, strong men create great times, great times create weak men, weak men create bad times. And the reason why it works like that in this generational context is because you get the hard times creating strong men. So the strong men had to create new policies and new plans and new programs and create new inventions and new uh, machinery and technology in order to survive in this new world that was the, of these hard times. And they had to save and they had to um, have a low time preference and they had to um, invest, right? And they had to build for the future. But what happens is as you get further along in the generations, the second, third, and the fourth generation, they're so far removed from that, they're living off of the production of those who came before them. They're living off the savings. They're living off the hard work. They're eating food, or uh, I think the saying is uh, they're, 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 they're benefiting from the shade of a tree they have not planted. So we had these, these group of people who had to figure out how to change the world, who had to bring peace, who had to build prosperity, who had to save for the future, who had to plant the tree. But now we have these generations who don't understand why that tree was even there. They don't even understand why they even need shade because they have so much of it, they've never, they've never needed it. If you've been out in the desert without any shade, you certainly know why you need the shade. But when you have shade everywhere, you just don't understand it. And that's sort of what we're seeing today. Um, and it's a big problem. Now, I want to talk about, it's not just censorship of our speech, but it's censorship of our money, it's our payments, and it's our even our ability to travel that they want to censor. And I want to talk specifically about some new bills that were just put in place in the last week or two, again, based off of false pretense, off of mis, uh, misinformation, if you will. But they're using this time of war, and they're using the misinformation that they've per that they've put out um, in order to get more power for themselves and take away more freedoms from us. We'll talk about that in a minute when I come back. You're just tuned if you're tuned in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show, talking about war equals censorship. Be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. All right. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve 
Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals, and both experts agree that gold could hit 2500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash markmoss. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about how war equals censorship. And we've gone through a lot. Uh, we've gone through the history all the way back from 100 years ago, talked about how this has happened over and over and over and over, yes, in the United States and yes, in all types of countries. We talked about how it's happening in the Russia-Ukraine war, how it's happening in Israel and uh, Palestine right now. And now let's bring it back home, back to North America, back to the United States. And what we're seeing is the same thing. It's always the same thing. Uh, if we if we want to understand these complex issues, what we want to do is we want to break them down to what we call like a first principles level. It means you have to understand them at their core basic truths. And if you understand them on that level, then you can start to then formulate your own ideas and hypotheses based off of that. Otherwise, if you don't do that, you're just parroting or repeating headlines, right, without actually understanding the thing. And so if we want to break this down to a first principles level, the first principles level is... If I want to control you, if I want to control a situation, control another person, then I have to give them my perspective or my narrative, my truth. You have to live my truth. If you can think for yourself, if you could get other outside information, you might not agree with what I'm telling you. So that's that's this that's the first principles, and so if you understand that to be true, then you understand that in order for a government, especially a very corrupt and coercive government, um, has to control the narrative in order to control power. The problem that they have is that as we go farther along from the founding of the United States until today, the government is getting more and more corrupt at a very rapid rate, as at an exponential rate, and as they get more corrupt, the people like it less and less and less, obviously. 
when you still a little bit, you favor yourself a little bit, you have a little bit of a, you know, outside favors. Okay. Like whatever. Sure. Okay. I see it. But the more and more it gets, the more egregious it gets, the, the higher dollar amounts it gets, the worse it gets for us, the more the people don't like it. The more that people don't like it, the more that we're going to want to talk about it and push back against it. The more that we talk about it and push back against it, the more they have to censor us. Are you starting to understand the situation? This is not just like some random thing. It's the way it has to be. If we have a government that's getting more corrupt, and if the government wants to stay in power, then, if then, if the government's getting more corrupt, and if the government wants to stay in power, which of course they do, then they have to control the narrative. That's just it. This is the way it works. Otherwise, they're out, right? Now, let's talk about some of the broader implications here. Civil liberties and democracy at stake. Let's talk about democracy at stake. I have a different lens and viewpoint on democracy. We'll talk about it here in a minute that you maybe won't like, or maybe you'll, you'll like it if I explain it to you, but it might catch you off guard. But if we go back to, back to the United States, we saw that in 2001, we had the 9-11 bombings, the trade centers got knocked down. Every year we sort of celebrate this as a, a moment to remember the solidarity of the United States in response to this and blah, 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 blah. What I remember is it was the day that Americans lost more freedom than any time in history. That's what we, that's what, that's what happened. Through that, through the events of September 11, we lost, as Americans, we lost more freedom than any time in history through the passing of the Patriot Act. Of course, uh, all these bills always have a name that's the opposite of what they are, like uh, Biden's famous Inflation Reduction Act. By spending an extra $1.7 trillion, somehow that cures inflation. It's insane. And just like this, the Patriot Act is the opposite, the opposite of a Patriot Act. It's the uh, totalitarian act. That's what they should have called it. And under the Patriot Act um, and then other, other government actions, they've basically given themselves complete power to restrict and censor any issues that they want. They can basically see everything. They can do everything. Uh, it was passed right after, directly after the 9-11 attacks, a month, in less than a month afterwards. So... Anytime you see the government rushing into making these decisions, it's probably a bad thing. They didn't take the time to think about it. They didn't take the, take the time to uh, weigh the pros and cons, look at the cost-benefit analysis. They didn't take the time to get public opinion. Uh, we're supposed to have a, re a representative government, so we elect leaders to go represent us, but they didn't get a chance to look through these laws and to vote on these laws. That's always going to be a bad thing. Right. Uh, you should know by now, if you're a responsible adult, that you want to think before you speak. You want to think before you act. You want to look before you jump. And so something as massive and as powerful and as important of this should have probably taken some time. Unless maybe they had put it in place before and just used it as a place to put in, in power. But that's a whole different talk. Now, what we know is that the act gave the government, like I said, these massive powers to surveil everybody, uh, power to wiretap phones and all these things. It changed the definition of what terrorism is, which now makes it easy for the government to prosecute anybody they want under terrorism-related crimes. Uh, it's been super controversial, of course, because, again, it's taken away so much freedom. It violates civil liberties. Uh, it's been used to target all types of minor minority groups. Of course, the government argues that it's important to protect the country. Remember, you have to give up your freedom for the safety. It's important that you let us take these freedoms from you so we can give you the safety that you want, according to them. 
Uh, but we've seen that this Patriot Act has been used to prosecute hundreds and hundreds of crimes that they say are terrorism related, but maybe not. Like, for example, used to prosecute protesters and journalists, for example. Now, this has been uh, challenged many times in court, but the Supreme Court seems to always hold up the law over and over and over. However, um, the Patriot Act set to expire and Congress is debating whether to reauthorize the law or to let it expire. We'll see what happens. But of course, they don't want to let it expire. Remember, if we understand these things from our first principles level, they don't want to let it go. And we just saw this week, Senator Elizabeth Warren, every time I, th I say her name, I think about how Trump called her Pocahontas. Uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren uh, pretended to be an Amer uh, American Indian, a native Indian. And uh, she said that she was a native Indian. She was some, from some tribe and it all was a big lie. So anyway, that's the joke behind that. But anyway, she's probably at the forefront of trying to take away your freedom, specifically around your freedom of money, uh, specifically around freedom to transact in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And what we saw this week under the guise of war because of the Israel Hamas thing that's going on is there was an article that came out that said that Hamas was using uh, cryptocurrency um, to, to cause war. And so she used this report to go say, you know, uh, rattle the sabers, if you will, to rally the troops. And she got 100 legislators to write a letter to the White House addressing concerns over crypto's role in terrorism. And to rush through, again, another rush through, rush through a new bill that would have sweeping power that would allow them to sanction and impose sanctions and basically ban technologies that they think could be a threat to national security. Now, they did this off of a report that had come out that has since been found to actually be false. And actually, they cite data from a company called Elliptical, which has actually come out and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, the data that, you, the data that you're saying that we gave you is wrong. That's not the case. Uh, I forget the exact numbers. I think they said something about it was uh, $90 million or $130 million in crypto donations that they had gotten. But the funny thing was, is that actually there was a report from Hamas earlier, months earlier, saying, do not give us crypto donations. Do not give us Bitcoin donations because they're being able to be tracked. So it's a, it, it was a blatant lie. The data company said this is not the right data. Hamas put out a statement saying, don't give it to us. And yet they ran with this anyway. So they're pushing false misinformation. We, we know the information is false because both people that are reported in this information have come out and said so. And they're using it to now rush through a law to put more laws in place to take away your freedom to transact under the guise of protecting your freedom and using the Patriot Act for this. See how that works? It's a big deal. Now, we can stand by and let this all happen, or we can stand up and do something. What would you do about it? Well, I'm encouraging you to stay involved, to stay informed. I would like you to go spread these. Go talk about these with your friends, your families, your coworkers. Call your local lawmakers. Let them know how you feel. And when it comes to the ballots, vote them out. All right. Anyway, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We've been covering how war equals censorship, what that looks like through history, and a whole lot more. Hopefully you enjoyed the conversation. Let me know. Hit me up on social media at one Mark Moss, And that's what I got. Thanks for listening. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 